0: To the Urban Anti Show. I'm your host, Laura Ikata. This show talks about important Native issues and highlights guests that are representing Native people in a wide variety of careers. Featured guests talk about how their Alaska Native culture impacts their work. Listen to all of the Urban Anti Show episodes on Spotify and theurbanantyshow.com. Like our Facebook page and follow the Urban Anti Show on Twitter. Stay up to date on future episodes. Hello and good morning, good evening, Good afternoon to everybody out there. This is Lori Ikata with the Urban Anti Show. Today, I'm going to be having guest Melissa Johnson. She's the director of Bearing the Sea Elders. Well, I will introduce myself, Lori Ikata seuza, dehun Danaka Hefte de a sesni. Ita A, Johnny Kata, Buuza. Ina A, Misty Carlo Riley, Buuza. Setsu Uza, Madeline Riley. Satya Uza, Rocky Riley. Nulato Hatan Esland, Fairbanks, Lesta. My name is Laura Ikata, and my parents are Johnny Kata and Misty Carlo Riley. My grandparents are Rocky and Madeline Riley. I'm from Nulato, but I live in Fairbanks. And I'm going to school at UAF. I host the Urban Anti Show. Yeah, do you want to tell us about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uwunga Makkoyak Sitnasam Yurunga. Phumma ni Inurunga, Johnson Koyaharunga. Angayukaka, yukaka. Alan Johnson Jr. Lee. Sarah Jack Lee. Ataka. Alan Johnson Sr. Lee. Trisa Norbert Lee. Silly. Raymond Sidamona Li, Edna Sinangat Katli, Sulli, Louis Jack Lee, Daisy Noya Katli, Savakunga, Barren C Elders Group me, Executive Director Me, Nilak Mittuni, Melissa Johnson. Um so my Indep name is Mahtoyak, my English name is Melissa Johnson. Um I come from the community of Nome, but I reside here in Anchorage. Um, my parents are Alan Johnson Jr. and Sarah Jack, and I have three sets of grandparents um, Alan Johnson Sr., Teresa Norbert, Raymond Sedamona, Edna Senefick, um and I was raised by my adoptive grandparents, uh, Louis Jack and Daisy Norfolk. and I and the executive director for Bering Sea Elders.
0: What are you doing right now in with your Bering Sea Elders?
1: I'm on the advisory panel for the um, North Pacific Fishery Management Council, and also um, a lot of work related to uh, protections with the the Northern Bering Sea Climate Resilience Area. So, but for, for the council, um, that meeting starts next week or latter part of this week, certain, you know, sub meetings. So during usually a week or two before each council meeting, um, I have a lot of reading to do, um, and also pre-meetings, you know, in regards to providing Uh, public testimony, and, yeah, those kind of things. Okay. Yeah, in between being a a mom, you know. A lot of things going on. (laughs) A lot
0: of things (laughs) going on. So how was Bering Sea Elders Group created, and why was it created?
1: So um, I have been with Bering Sea Elders Group now for uh three and a half years. Um but it was created by a group of elders who mostly from the Yukon Coast Victim area said, you know, that there's um fisheries occurring in the Bering Sea that had them concerned. So it was like a small group of five from um the coast that says we need to have protections and it developed from those five to protect those five community um, members who were elders um developed into um what barency elders group is now today 38 tribes along the Sea coast encompassing uh three cultural groups so we have the The Inukak people, the St. Lawrence Island Yupik, and the Yupik people, including Tupik. So. um, Okay,
0: and um, I see on this thing it was mentioned, they mentioned bottom trawling.
1: What's bottom trawling? So, if you think about um, what has occurred on the East Coast, um, these boats, you know, they have pretty much damage the the sea floor by scraping it of all you know of all the um, and you see the vegetation those kind of environments which you know it has a domino effect so if you mess up the floor that you know provides nutrients for more than one species um, bottom trawlers basically just go in and scrape the bottom and keep moving north and in achieving their goal for um economic gain. You know, like if their fishery is solely focused on pollock or crab or king salmon but um they need to trawl um it just causes you know, a lot of damage to the sea floor.
0: So this would have bigger impacts on the
1: environment in the ocean? Yeah, so um, when you have that issue occur, it it affects the environment in many species. Um, but then also as Indigenous people, it affects our way of life, our culture, our heritage, our language. Um, and the the long-term effect affects our future generations so if we don't protect what has been providing for us then we'll get we'll slowly get that um demise of, of who we are as indigenous people
0: Yeah, so if we're, like, running out of fish, then our future generations can't have fish, and that's cultural knowledge lost.
1: Mm -hmm. So, basically, you know, um, so our communities that make up their in group start near Little Diamond Whales area, um, all the way down to Platinum, including St. Lawrence Island and um, Minnizak Island, and so these, um, one of the issues could be salmon issues. And so what happens in our sea affects our family members all the way into the interior, into Canada. So the work that we're doing, um, it's not only protecting our um our way of life it's also protecting our distant relatives you know like i said going all the way through the interior um into canada
0: yeah i'm from the yukon river and my family wasn't able to fish for salmon this year king salmon
1: so that was very hard on all of us yeah and so i don't um one of the other you know like if if we continue to allow these types of things to occur, then um, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty sure you're, you're well aware that our community members who live in these, you know, in the villages, they do not have the luxury, you know, if if they don't get a seal, you know, or fish, um, they don't have the luxury to just go to a, a store you know
0: and buy something you know it's yeah it's um food security is impacted as well yeah and um yeah my auntie has to come to Fairbanks like every month to just send a bunch of boxes home with groceries and I just think like how much does that cost and (laughs) can everybody do that I don't think anybody, everybody can afford to do that. Yeah.
1: Um, I've heard a community members say that they don't have the funds to do that. And then, you know, it it just creates a domino effect. Um, And then one of the other areas too that um, Berencia Elders Group does a lot of work in is um, incorporating our indigenous knowledge into um, education or scientific um, systems. Um there's been, you know, a lot of like if you were pulling up information related to fisheries, you know, it, it could be mostly non natives um who, who write their stuff, no no offense to, to them, you know, in their education, but it's our way of life, our knowledge systems that our elders have with us in the elders, you know, our ancestors before that, you know, incorporating um, that information is, is helpful to everyone. And it's not only felt in um, Indigenous knowledge, is like finding ways to incorporate it into these systems Or a United States um, thing, it it goes on to the international level.
0: Yeah. So, um, so you guys work to increase native knowledge in science. Yep.
1: That's another yeah another area that we um, say hey we need to make some changes um, in these knowledge systems. you know just like with anything else that has been imposed on our cultures.
0: And what kind of work do you do to advocate for Native people as they try to protect their lands and protect their fish?
1: So we interact um, with the help of the Native American Rights Fund fundes um, we we interact on the um political level so um all the way you know with our um our state representatives all the way up to the president uh, on the presidential level and um this was <clears throat> the first executive order was before i began with various elders group but um president obama you know granted the first executive order to work on protections for the Northern Bering Sea Climate Resilience Area. And it was uh, immediately revoked when um, President Trump's uh, administration came into office. And then on the first day of President Biden's, um, he reinstated that executive order. So as far as advocacy, You know, working on that level, um, and also keeping our our elected um, you know officials informed as to why they should continue to work on these protections and why they matter as you know as as our representatives.
0: So these changes in um, protections just really come with who's in administration and so that really shows why it's important to vote that's why it's so important yeah. for native people to vote <laughs> exactly
1: and um as you may know you know like uh, some community members english is uh, a second language for them, and especially our elders, it's important to work with our elders and help them make their vote matter. Um, because, um, you know, of all the tribes that we have in the state of Alaska, you know, working with 38 tribe, you know, tribal elders from each different community, you know, and like I said, um, working with three different language. Or culture groups, um, there's a little bit of complexity as far as um, interpreting what they share um, to folks who who may not be familiar with the last native culture. So yeah, but getting back to voting, voting is very important, especially um, in the work that we do.
0: And the Bering Sea Elders Group was just involved in the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Annual Report Card, um, NOAA. So do you want to highlight some of the major things that was
1: on the report card? So um, a lot of the discussion was around the, the changes within the Arctic. You know that climate change is occurring, that it's it's real. Um, but as Indigenous people, we are we've already known that climate has been changing. But educating um, folks on that level and having the opportunity to be highlighted, you know, in working with our elders um, was. A very big effort, um, you know. Being able to travel, um, we had a, we had intended to have more elders at, um, you know, the opening of the Arctic card but um, due to travel uh, issues, you know, we can't control the weather, um, fog, um, ice is a factor. Um, but then also um, another factor, you know, in, in contributions to um, the Arctic report card was um, some of our elders just weren't comfortable traveling to a big city, and so um, just sharing, you know, as previously mentioned, sharing um, the importance of our cultural knowledge, our Indigenous knowledge. Uh, into these systems, the true impacts of climate change um, that it's having to real people, and then, um, you know, as I've mentioned, like our food security um, is at is at risk due to climate change, and helping um, helping scientists, helping um, researchers, just helping anyone who does not understand, you know the true impacts to climate change um, coming from the perspective of our elders, and because I, I I'm I'm not sure what perceptions I made, but everyone doesn't live on. It. We don't have our road system is what thirty <laughs> thirty. down, you know. We don't have a road system um, in our communities. Our our way of transportation is um, snow machine, boat, and because of climate change, um, that's also being impacted.
0: Yeah, so Indigenous people have all these knowledge, and they've already known about climate change. So it was really important to get that
1: their voices on the report card. And having this opportunity, you know, doesn't come. It doesn't come very often, so um, you know I said being able to plan um, like what is the best time of year to flying elders into 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 Nome was you know Nome was the hub community that um, for our elders and understanding you know the complexity like one of our elders who contributed to the Arctic report card flew from um, the village of Chiba, to Bethel, to Anchorage, to Nome, <laughs> and so like getting his knowledge um, was very, you know, very important. And you know, for him, it was very time. It was it was like very tiring to, have to travel to so many communities to contribute to. Um, this important report.
0: So, um, Arctic people are experiencing the greatest impacts of climate change, and what are some of the changes that um, elders have noted seeing?
1: So, due to climate change, um, you know, the uh, when we had the first seabird um, die-off occur. Um, and other marine mammals that were impacted it was because one of our you know it it became more noticed um, because one of our elders said this is going on who do I contact and like having to network with other tribal organizations you know like for me I didn't have the answer and I was like I'm going to help you find the answer so You know, our marine ecosystem is impacted definitely um, with the seabird and fish um, declines. Uh, Coastal erosion is a huge um, issue in regards to climate change. And um, also, having like for our communities who rely on ice during the winter months for hunting. Because the ice is not forming due to the warming climate, they're having to. The hunters are, seeing, putting their their lives more at risk um, because they're having to travel further to get to the ice, and um, you know the sea is just like can be unforgiving. So um, those are a lot of the changes and. changes due to climate change oh and then the um not another impact is um because of climate change fish are moving north they need colder waters so that's causing industry you know to go want to go further north and um, keeping those protections there um just, it'll help um and then also um, as I think i more working, you know, uh, inter- interacting on the international level, um, increased vessel traffic is another um, impact climate change. So as the Arctic continues to warm, how can we decrease the amount of um, vessel traffic you know, that's causing disturbances within our um, in environment. Yeah, those are a lot of
0: changes you're seeing. And um I didn't know fish were moving more
1: north. That's a new one for me. Yeah. So as yeah, as our fish, you know, move north, you know, like I folks who are in industry, uh, they they're looking at that economic gain whereas for us as indigenous people, um, it's our way of life, it's our culture, it's our value system, it's our language. Um, you know, like, we still do the barter system, you know, like, if I if I were to say, um, hey, Laura, um, I know you, your family makes the best smoked salmon in, in the interior, and I know, it, like say I knew that you like um bowhead muktup. you like, hey, this trade. So um it you know, uh what happens in the Bering sea affects more than what people you know may know or not know. It affects all, all of our relationships.
0: Yeah, we're connected to the land and the land is changing drastically. I just met with Melissa Johnson from the, the, she's the executive director of the Bering Sea Elders Group. She talked to us about why the Bering Sea Elders Group was created and the kind of work they do. She also talked about the impacts of climate change that they're seeing in her communities. They're seeing a bird and fish population decline, coastal erosion uh, decline in the ice season. So it's harder to travel because the waters are frozen for a shorter amount of time. So they can't go hunting on the ice because it's not safe. Fish are moving more north and fisheries want to follow the fish, so they gotta keep fighting to protect their waters. And there's also a concern about increased there's also a concern about increased vessel traffic causing marine disturbances. Go to ww.bearingseelders.org to learn more information about the Bering Sea Elders Group. You can listen to this episode or other episodes on theurbanantishow.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening today. Have a great day.